What's up? Welcome back to the Will Ford Show, episode 120, and it's the week following the Super Bowl, or the weekend following the Super Bowl, I should say, and uh, that's one of the things that I'm going to be talking about today here in the Will Ford Show is Tom Brady winning his seventh championship in 10 tries. Uh, I mean, hands down the greatest quarterback to ever live. And I'll, I'm going to talk about Tom Brady because he's in a class with somebody else uh, and they're all by themselves in this class. I'll tell you what that is. Uh, we're going to also talk about J.J. Watt being released by the Houston Texans. What does the future look like for him? What's his career outlook? And then the Seahawks and Russell Wilson are in the middle of some turmoil right now. Uh, and it's not really being talked about all that much, especially from the Seahawks' point of view. Russell Wilson has voiced some some concerns. So those are the three things we're going to talk about here in episode 120 of the Will Ford Show. Let's hop right into Tom Brady and in his first season with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers winning a Super Bowl over the seemingly unbeatable Kansas City Chiefs. 31-9 to didn't allow them to score one offensive touchdown, uh, and it was... Vintage Tom Brady, vintage Rob Gronkowski, and the defense was tremendous against Patrick Mahomes. And to think that a quarterback or that any player in NFL history has been to a uh, a Super Bowl 10 times is remarkable. And the fact that Brady's now won seven out of those 10, six with the Patriots, one now with the Bucks, it's just hard to believe. I remember making a prediction for this game, and I predicted the Chiefs. I really thought it was going to be the uh, the passing of the torch moment between Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes. Going to give him the keys to the car and he would lead. He would be the next face of the NFL for the next 10 to 15 years. Win maybe not seven Super Bowls like Tom Brady has just done, but maybe win four or five and be one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time and build the next dynasty with the Kansas City Chiefs. And obviously that didn't happen. It's really interesting. I we called the the New England Patriots a dynasty. I think Tom Brady was the dynasty. And that puts him in a special class with one other person. And that other person's LeBron James. And this class features the two greatest foundational pieces ever. If you have this player, you already have an unbelievable chance at a championship. Really, no matter what you have around them. And the last couple of Super Bowls... Tom Brady won in New England. I mean, it it wasn't that... uh, The defense was good. He's always had a good defense. The offensive line was pretty good. But Rob Gronkowski was hurt, not himself. They had a a kind of a myriad of running backs. Seemed like it was a game-by-game basis, which one was going to be the focal point of their running game slash pass out of the backfield game. And Brady really had no receivers other other than Julian Edelman to throw to. Danny Amendola was a nice slot receiver, but he didn't have that one dominant go-to guy uh, because a lot of those guys were kind of just, you know, near the end of their careers, their productivity hadn't been what it was in years past. And for him to continue to win Super Bowls, it just proves his excellence. And even at the age of 43, the age of 43, he is still doing this. And I really didn't think it was going to work this year for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, just because number one, I mean, 2020, you know, as a whole was pretty rough for everybody. And so in the NFL's case, you have a really limited off season, no OTAs, training camp is all virtual. You have no preseason. And so 
you basically just get thrust right into our regular season with a bunch of guys that you don't know all too well. Of course, you know, the Bucks brought in Rob Gronkowski after he sat out for a year or two, but there wasn't a whole lot of familiarity with that offense. It's a completely new system for Tom Brady and Tom kind of had to to make things work and going into their bye week in week 13, this team was 7 and 5. And that's a pretty late bye week for a team that hasn't really worked that well together. Of course, they were really talented and they were going to be a playoff team, but you didn't really have a sense at 7 and 5 that they were going to be a Super Bowl winning team and then, you know, they win their last four games to move to 11 and 5. They're a wild card team because the New Orleans Saints won the division and then you went at Washington and that was a really tough game with Taylor Heineke playing really well as the Washington football team starter. You got out of that game, you go to the Super Bowl Superdome next, the Superdome against uh the New Orleans Saints and Drew Brees and you get a win there against a really tough division opponent and the Saints had beat them twice in the regular season so but you never beat your division rival three times in a season or very rarely does it happen anyways they got that win then you go up to Lambeau one of the toughest places to play in the National Football League and there were fans there granted in a limited capacity around seven or eight thousand fans but that's a really tough place to play and you went and in the first half, knocked the doors off of them. You let them back into it late, but you ended up getting the win due to questionable coaching and quotation marks by Matt LaFleur. I'm not going to be too critical of him because I'm not sure what I would have done in that, that fourth and goal scenario late in the game. But anyway, that's kind of the besides, besides the point. You win three road playoff games, and then you earn the right to host the Super Bowl. You're You're the away team because you're the lower seed, but you host the Super Bowl at Raymond James Stadium, which hasn't been done since 55 years ago, I think. So, I mean, that story alone is unlikely. I really thought it was going to be next year for Tom Brady and the in the Bucks, just to have that one year under their belt. And that familiarity would then be there going into season two. But, I mean, they just won a championship. And it seems like they're getting better and better because each game in the playoffs, they got progressively better. And I know Tom Brady struggled in the second half of the NFC Championship game, but they got it done, and then they just manhandled the Chiefs. Just destroyed the Chiefs. And so I I think it just proves Tom Brady is just the greatest foundational piece that we've seen in NFL history. For him to be in New England for 20 seasons, you win six Super Bowls, and there's constantly moving pieces around him with the way New England runs their franchise. With Bill Belichick as their general manager. They, they've always shown an unwillingness to pay players. They don't draft very well. Especially when it comes to skill positions. So Tom Brady is not always working with the best wide receiving cores. Best running backs. But he made it work. Then you go over to Tampa Bay with all these weapons. Mike Evans. Chris Godwin. You sign Antonio Brown. You have Scotty Miller. Who's a really nice receiver. You have Rob Gronkowski that you bring in. That's that's the big level of familiarity there for Tom Brady. You have Cameron Brait. OJ Howard was there, but he got hurt early season. You have Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette in there at tailback. The defense is really good. The offensive line struggled at first, got better as the season went on. 
And really that team just needed a quarterback because that was the same team last year, minus Gronk, Leonard Fournette, and Antonio Brown. That's the same team last year, but you just plug in Jameis Winston and they're a uh, below 500 team. So it just shows you how good Tom Brady is. It's not like Tom Brady went and joined a team that was, you know, had already uh, been there, done that, like a Kevin Durant in Golden State kind of deal. I mean, this was a team that needed a significant jump in quarterback play, not just play, but leadership uh, and the intangibles. So Tom Brady, he's the greatest quarterback of all time. Uh, There's just, I don't know how you debate it anymore. There is no debate. And when you compare him to LeBron James, I think LeBron is the other greatest foundational piece in sports history. I think they're the two greatest. LeBron, when he left Cleveland the first time, it took two years to win a championship in Miami. They made it to the finals the first year, lost to the Dallas Mavericks. They just weren't quite ready then. LeBron hadn't really quite figured out how to be a closer in a lot of games. Win a title in year two against the Oklahoma City Thunder. They go to four straight finals. Now he comes back to Cleveland. Make the finals the first year. They lose to the Warriors. Second year, they come back 3-1 down against the Warriors. Get a championship. So you're already seeing the trend here. And then he goes to the Los Angeles Lakers a couple years later. They miss the playoffs The the playoffs in, the, in his first season. They were in fourth place in the West. Got injured out the rest of the season. You don't want to really take too many risks there. And missed the playoffs, but the next year in the NBA bubble, they win the NBA championship. So it's always been a two-year process for LeBron James to get a franchise at a championship. Those two players, Tom Brady and LeBron James, are the greatest foundational pieces in sports history. Tom Brady and LeBron James are the system. They, they don't need any one particular coach. They don't need any one particular player around them. Of course, it always helps if you've got better talent around you. But they are the championship. They are the winning. They are the secret to success. That, that's what, if you have this guy, Brady or LeBron, you're going to have as good a chance, a, a better chance than anybody else at winning a championship. And with my point of Tom Brady and LeBron James being the system for a team, I want to move to some, some people that might be feeling not too good about themselves after watching Tom Brady win his seventh ring. The first one is Bill Belichick, because we've always credited Bill Belichick over the years for creating Tom Brady, basically being the one responsible for Tom Brady's ascent as the greatest quarterback of all time. But I think Tom Brady, in in one year alone at age 43, has quickly debunked that. You might even say Bill Belichick is slightly overrated. Slightly. Because the Patriots have the same team virtually that they did last year. Cam Newton is the quarterback instead of Tom Brady, and they were much worse. And, you know, obviously Cam Newton is not comparable to Tom Brady, but at the start of the season, the New England Patriots looked like they were going to be maybe okay without Tom Brady, and they might actually make the playoffs. And the Bucks kind of looked a little rough here and there. It looked like Bill Belichick was winning the divorce at first. And then things took a complete 180. Now Tom Brady has obviously won the divorce. And he's proved that doesn't matter what's around him. Doesn't matter what organization he plays for. He is the system. He is the winning. And you got to feel for the Patriots too. Because I mean, Tom Brady wanted to resign. Bill Belichick wouldn't do it. And I get it. 
you know, at age 43, you figure the cliff's got to come at some point. You got it. You have, you almost have to pay attention to history a little bit. Me personally, I would have kept him just given how long he's been there and what he's done for your franchise. Six Super Bowls. I mean, you don't, you don't just get rid of a guy who's won you six Super Bowls or at least been a large part of the reason why you won six Super Bowls. I would have kept him until the wheels completely fell off and he was driving off the side of the road. That's, I would have kept Tom Brady through and through, but Belichick, that's just the kind of guy he is. It's, he moves off players. He would rather move off players a year too early than a year too late. <laughs> and I think he picked the wrong year to move off of Tom Brady because it just went and won you a Super Bowl. He, he could have won you a Super Bowl this year and instead he's doing it for another team. I mean, Bill Belichick's got to be feeling it right now. But if he would have just taken care of Tom Brady, they would have put some money into some offensive weapons in some way, draft better. Just take care of Tom Brady a little bit after everything he's done for you. He might still be a Patriot today and be a seven-time champion. We don't know. The other party that I think has to be feeling a little down on themselves this week is the San Francisco 49ers. Their organization, John Lynch, the general manager, Kyle Shanahan, the coach. This one's a little bit more understandable, but when Tom Brady decided that he was going to leave... San Francisco was his first choice. And in the season prior, last season, the 49ers were in the Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo. And they were, you know, 10 minutes away from winning it. They almost did. But now it seems like they don't have all their faith in Jimmy Garoppolo. He's injured a lot. When he's in the lineup, they tend to win. But when he's not, and that's pretty often, they they don't win. And if... If it's me, I would sacrifice, like, I know you just paid Jimmy Garoppolo over $100 million, but I mean, it's Tom Brady, and I know he's 43 years old, but you got, yeah, I would have rolled the dice, bringing in Tom Brady and giving it a go. Now, obviously, this year for the 49ers, they weren't that good of a team because of all the injuries. I know Garoppolo was out, but several other guys on defense, too. That's just something you can't control. So even if Tom Brady was there, I mean, that's just the injury bug is always going to hit a team every year. And it just happened to be the 49ers. You can't control that, but they would have been a favorite to win the Super Bowl, and probably would have if everybody stays healthy for the most part. And they could have been Super Bowl champions this year. Now, but I get it from the 49ers standpoint though, because you just paid Jimmy Garoppolo, who's significantly younger. He's 15 years younger than your starter or than Tom Brady. So there's a lot more security there. And you you know that there's room for growth where with Tom Brady, you know where he's at, but how how far can he fall? That's the thing you have to to debate with Tom Brady. So I get it from from their standpoint why they didn't pull the tr- the trigger on Tom Brady, but you got to be you just have to wonder like how do they feel this week knowing that they could have had Tom Brady if they really wanted him, they were his first choice. It's got to sting a little bit knowing they could have had the greatest quarterback of all time. They had him in the palm of their hand, and all they had to do was was sign him. Now, you would have had to have traded Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm not sure what the market is for him, but I would have ate that money for a Super Bowl. Yes. And instead, he didn't settle for Tampa Bay because I, I know Tampa Bay was always on his radar with all those weapons, but Tampa Bay was probably his second choice. And it just so happened that you know, he goes to Tampa Bay. Don't look too good at first, but then they end up turning it around and they win a Super Bowl. And you got to think that Bill Belichick, 
that is feeling a little salty this week. And same thing with their 49ers franchise. They could have had a Super Bowl in their in their back pocket. Would have been their, their sixth Super Bowl. And instead, they're still sitting at five. And Tom Brady now has more Super Bowls than any other franchise in NFL history. Which is unbelievable. All right, so I want to move over to J.J. Watt. Because he was just released by the Houston Texans the other day. And, I mean, there's just been so much turmoil in the Texans organization. Over the last four months, who would have thought that when the Texans kind of changed management, got Bill O'Brien out of there, that it would take, you know, less than four months for the whole organization to come crashing down because Deshaun Watson, your franchise quarterback, wants out. J.J. Watt sees everything deteriorating and, you know, they mutually agree to part ways. I think it's incredibly sad for J.J. Watt because when he first came into the league in 2011, Matt Schaub was the Texans quarterback and Schaub was was a decent quarterback. Not, Not too bad at all. But then there was just years of, I'll just say, bad quarterbacks. They, you had guys like Brandon Whedon and TJ Yates, Ryan Mallett, Brock Osweiler, Tom Savage. I mean, just not very good guys. And some of them you paid a lot of money, mainly just Brock Osweiler, Osweiler, but still. And then he gets Deshaun Watson, the guy, the guy to hopefully take them to a Super Bowl. But then he realizes... It doesn't really necessarily matter how good the quarterback is because everything else around him is just falling apart. They trade away DeAndre Hopkins. Their offensive line is in shambles. And the organization as a whole just is so dysfunctional. It's it's really sad for J.J. Watt, but I'm happy for him now that he gets an opportunity to pick where he wants to go to try and get a Super Bowl before his career is over. Because I think right now, without a Super Bowl, If he were to retire today, I think he's a Hall of Famer. I mean, he had a four-year run from, you know, 2012 to 2016, where he was far and away the best player in the NFL and almost two times better than the next defensive player. From 2012 to 2015, J.J. Watt had 69 sacks and the next closest player had 50 and a half. Quarterback hits 190. Almost doubled up the next player with that one at 100. Almost doubled up the next closest player in tackles for loss, 119 to 68. And passes deflected slash defensed, however you want to coin that that phrase. Passes defensed, 41. The next closest player, 21. Almost divisible by two there. He was almost twice as good as the next best defensive player in that four-year span. And, you know, people say that, you know, people marvel at, Aaron Donald right now and the how good he's been the last couple of years, but he doesn't even compare to what J.J. Watt was a couple of years ago. And then obviously, you know, from 2016 on, he's had the injuries and that's really hurt his career. But I, I think that four-year stretch alone makes him a Hall of Famer. Came into the league in, in 2011, number 11 overall pick. I, I really think J.J. Watt's a Hall of Famer if his career ends right now. But I know he's not done yet. The next place he goes, I'm not totally sure. But there's two places. I, these are the betting odds in my mind that really make the most sense. The first one is going to play with his brother, TJ Watt, in Pittsburgh. And I believe his other brother, Derek Watt, is there as their fullback. So he'd be going to play with his brothers, which is an extremely attractive option. And Pittsburgh has such a good front seven already. But adding JJ Watt to it would not hurt at all. 
They did have some injuries later on in the year last year. They do so well in the front seven, and they draft so well when it comes to linebackers, defensive end, defensive tackle. Bringing in J.J. Watt for a season or two, they wouldn't have to spend draft capital on a player of a sim- that position or a similar position because they're going to have J.J. Watt. It makes sense for Pittsburgh. And for J.J. to go play with his brothers and have a chance at a Super Bowl, I think it's really it's a really attractive option. Because that defense in Pittsburgh is really good already. You're going to join a good defense. The offense is a little shaky in my opinion, but Ben Roethlisberger is the only option they have at quarterback. They don't have a good enough pick to draft somebody unless they want to trade up. They're going to have to rework Ben's contract to make it work. I still like Ben Roethlisberger. If they bring back Juju Smith-Schuster, you have Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool. The receiving core is really good. The offensive line, it's a good offensive line too, but they need a better running game. James Conner is okay at best. I would maybe go out and try to draft a running back this year. Who that is, I don't know, but you just need to improve your running game, take a little bit of pressure off of Ben Roethlisberger. I think that's a Super Bowl caliber team. I mean, they went 11-0 for a reason. I thought they were pretenders, but I mean, if you're 11-0, you're a good team. It doesn't matter. I mean, this this is the NFL. I think they're good enough to make it to a Super Bowl and beat the Kansas City Chiefs to get there and beat whoever's representing the NFC. J.J. Watt going there is a good option. The other option would be to go back to where he played college football in Wisconsin, playing for the Green Bay Packers. And the Packers didn't have a great run defense this past season. It was... Or maybe around middle of the pack. I know from a fantasy football standpoint, it was terrible. But it would immediately make their defense better in Green Bay. You wouldn't have to pay them all too much. I think Green Bay is another option for them as well. But to see how the Houston Texans franchise has imploded over the last three, four months has been wild and unbelievably interesting. Now, whether they trade Deshaun Watson or not, I don't know. That's a TBD. but. Boy, if they don't, you get the feeling it's going to be a pretty bad season. I mean, either way, with with or without Deshaun Watson, it's going to be a bad season for them next year. And finally, the Seahawks and Russell Wilson might be experiencing a little bit of uh, turmoil, I guess you could say. Uh, Russell Wilson voiced publicly that he's kind of frustrated with the way things have gone in Seattle over the last couple of years. And I, I don't blame him, but the Seahawks haven't really responded to this. They just kind of just let this float out there. They haven't shared any kind of response. And that I think that's even more telling than Russell Wilson speaking out about it. Because Wilson has never had a bad thing to say about the Seahawks franchise since he's been there. Just such a good PR guy. But for him to say this and the Seahawks not respond... I think it says more about how the Seahawks feel about their starting quarterback and they should start to be a little bit more appreciative because he is the reason why that team has been so successful in recent years, especially early on in Russell's career when they made it to -to back-to-back Super Bowls, won a Super Bowl, one play away from winning two. I know the Legion of Boom was there, but you got to give Russell Wilson some credit too. And I think coaching... And personnel management have really let Russell Wilson down the last handful of years. I mean, if we just go back to that second Super Bowl against the New England Patriots, 
you have beast mode Marshawn Lynch in the backfield. He just ran the ball for four yards. Got down to the four-yard line. It's second and goal. Why on earth, with 30 seconds left in the game, are you not running the football again when Marshawn Lynch just got you four yards the previous play? Why are you throwing it? It's a bunched formation in the shotgun, and you throw the ball right over the middle of the field where all the defenders are. Malcolm Butler is able to make a read. I That play call alone was dumb. And the result of that play was the start of the downfall of the of the Seahawks organization because they've been really mediocre ever since. They would have really good teams, make it to the playoffs, but then they would always get knocked out in the first or second round. I mean, come on. The coaching has been really poor for Russell Wilson. Pete Carroll is a good coach, but he makes too many bad decisions. And from a personnel standpoint, I mean, can they stop drafting running backs in the first and second round? Can they draft some offensive linemen? Something that the Cleveland Browns have invested in in the last couple of years, the offensive line. The Dallas Cowboys drafted really well a handful of years ago. Other teams have invested in their offensive line. Why can't Seattle? Because Russell Wilson has been running for his life. Running for his life. I mean, he's been one of, if not the most sacked quarterback in the last couple of years. You need to start treating your guy better. And I know there's already trade rumors about Deshaun Watson out there. And we, we saw Matt Stafford get traded. Carson Wentz could be on the move. But, I mean, you, you cannot trade Russell Wilson if you're the Seahawks. You cannot. He is your whole team. You get rid of him. You're not going to get... It's not going to be a deal like the Lions, that the Lions pulled off where they got Jared Goff in return. I don't love Goff, but they pulled it off and got him in return. You're not going to get that kind of deal for Russell Wilson. You're going to get a lot of picks, but you're not going to get what you want. I, you just, you cannot trade him. You cannot if you're the Seahawks. If you're Russell Wilson, you've just got to plead to get some help on the offensive line. The defense will figure itself out. And please do not bring in Adam Gase as your offensive coordinator. I know, I know they didn't end up doing that, but it was a conversation that they had. They brought him in for an interview. That would have been the end of Russell Wilson's career had they actually gone through with it. Because we saw what Ryan Tannehill did without him. He's thriving in Tennessee. And he single-handedly destroyed the New York Jets. <laughs> Russell Wilson and the Seahawks don't want Gase in their building. But if you're the Seahawks, you can't trade him. I mean, teams that he could go to. I mean, I know every team aside from maybe seven teams in the league should be interested in Russell Wilson. But the New York Giants, I think, would be interested course the Jets probably I mean they're desperate for a quarterback but I know they're locked in on Deshaun Watson right now the 49ers I'm sure are interested but they're not going to trade him within division who knows maybe the Seahawks are dumb enough to do it I mean there are teams that are interested in Russell Wilson of course but you can't do it you can't do it you got to somehow get out in front of this if you're Seattle or not even get out I mean they're already behind it you just need to catch up as soon as you can and prevent any more collateral damage because this is bad for Seattle but that'll do it for episode 120 of WFS, The Will Ford Show. Check out The Will Ford Show on Twitter. The at is at The Will Ford Show. Uh, on Instagram, at Will Ford Show. And then uh, make sure you rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and also like and comment on SoundCloud. You can also subscribe on SoundCloud as well. And then a little bit of news on um, some more content. So I do have a TikTok. My TikTok is at WillFord935. 
Uh, so check out my TikTok. I posted some videos of creating NFL lineups, uh, NBA lineups recently. So check those out. I'll also post some other content on there as well. I'm starting to get active on TikTok, which I really love. And then Garrett Moore, who was on the podcast with me uh, just about 10 or 11 days ago, uh, we're going to be starting a new podcast called Toboggan Talk. We recorded the first episode last week. We're probably not going to drop it until uh, next week as we're trying to just create the podcast page and figure out exactly what we want to do. But Toboggan Talk is just basically us talking, snowboarding, life, everything in between, having a lot of fun and just two guys really just talking and having a conversation. Uh, So that's going to be Toboggan Talk. Uh, We're going to put that on Apple Podcasts, probably Spotify too, maybe Google Podcasts. Uh, and the host is for that is going to be Podbean. Uh, the host for my podcast is SoundCloud. Um, so going to be kind of two separate things. The Will Ford Show is going to continue like normal. We're going to keep moving forward with the Will Ford Show, but Toboggan Talk, a new series, a new podcast where me and Garrett talk life essentially. So there you go. Uh, but thank you so much for tuning in to episode 120. I'll see you in episode 121. This is WFS. The Will Ford Show.